Greetings humans and welcome to the second edition of Lefteris Ask Science, a podcast where I meet people that I find interesting from the world of science and I try to find out what, how and why they do what they do. In this edition of the podcast, I meet an old friend, Thanos Stamatopoulos. Thanos and I did our masters in physics in the National Technical University of Athens and he was one of the few people that I met during those years that knew roughly what he wanted to do in the near future of his career and was actually using the knowledge that he was gaining from each class. After the masters, he continued to do his PhD in NTUA and CERN studying fission. His experiment was the first that took place in the new experimental area 2 of CERN studying the neutron time of flight. He is now doing his postdoc in NTUA and from January onwards he will be doing his postdoc in Los Alamos in the United States. Now, CERN and neutron time of flight might sound exotic or elitistic to some, with no real applications to the real world. But in today's episode, we will see how this is not true and how actually people at CERN do experiments like the one Thanos did to actually have a proof of concept that all the money that's spent to build these facilities will actually be used for the greater good of the communities. Now. In order to get into this episode, we need to know about concepts like radioactive decay, nuclear fission, and time of flight. I'll start by trying to explain what radioactive decay is. So there are some nuclei that just by their existence are unstable. Imagine that you're going around standing on one leg. As you can imagine, you would be more stable with the second leg down, and that's exactly the same for the nuclei. They will change and try to stabilize. This process will release some energy and will also make them lose some mass and as a result they will transform into new elements. That breakdown of an atomic nucleus is called radioactive decay. Most people that have any form of contact with the outside world will know that radiation isn't the best thing for your health, especially in large dosages. We have examples like Fukushima incident, the Chernobyl. So radiation that reaches our bodies has different ways of affecting our body by either directly killing cells or mutating and altering the DNA. And this whole process could be another episode by itself. However, a big percentage of the world's power is produced by nuclear power plants that use radioactive materials and produce many radioactive materials as waste. I have to say, Thanos made the editing of this podcast quite easy since he had many very nice examples and analogies to explain his work in nuclear physics. The world that we observe around us consists of molecules and atoms. I guess more or less everybody is familiar with that, right? So if you just dive in and just look you know, closer with a microscope, in quotes, uh, you can see that uh, molecules consist of, uh, of nuclei. Which you can imagine them as like big balls, big or small balls. Mm-hmm. And these big or small balls, if you look a bit closer inside, they, they consist of, guess what? More balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, so nuclear physics actually deals with the, the study of uh, 
these bolts that are called nuclei. Okay, fine. So, uh, oh fuck. So, um, the idea is that you want to understand how these nuclei behave when you are trying to somehow uh, excite them. So, in order to study a physical system, you have to go close to it and, you know, try to pinch it, punch it, you know, oh. everything you can do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, one way of doing that is uh, using particle beams. You can use, uh, for example, neutron beams. Okay. Neutrons are, uh, are a building block, let's say, of nuclei. So, nuclei consist of neutrons and protons. Yep. So, you can, you can use these neutrons, for example. And you can imagine that you have a gun, a big gun, and that you fire neutrons to these nuclei. And you just go behind and you know, wait and see what will happen. Most of the times, this, this bullet, this neutron bullet, let's say, will just cross, uh, cross away and nothing will happen. But there are times that this bullet can be absorbed by the nucleus. Okay. And then a nucleus starts to behave strangely. He can either... You know, rotates or start to oscillate, or uh, or afterwards, you know, he can just spit the bullet out and return to its initial state. So, yeah, one of these uh, procedures or reactions, so we like to call them, is called fission. This is a, a procedure that happens in heavy nuclei, so in big balls, so okay. balls that consist of many nucleons, so many protons and neutrons. So what happens is the following. The neutron gets absorbed by this fat and big ball. It stays inside for quite some time. And then it splits into more or less two equal parts. And at the same time, it releases like a huge amount of energy. Okay, okay and this, this, this energy was uh, first used by Fermi to essentially boil water. And the steam from this boiling water was used to rotate a turbine and then produce energy. And that's what we call? Nuclear energy. So, yeah, the nuclear energy is essentially what comes from nuclear fission. So you could call it nuclear fission energy, but okay. Yeah. So now that we know what fission is, we can start exploring how physicists are studying this process in a place they call ENTOF, or Neutron Time of Flight. ENTOF is a facility at CERN, consists of, uh, at the moment, two experimental areas, let's say, two different kind of guns, if okay. that far different kind of bullets, in a way. What we do here is actually we try to study the interaction of neutrons with different kinds of nuclei, heavy, light, medium, whatever. So in my case, we study fission, therefore we use heavy nuclei. The, the final aim is to try to find a, like a solution to this problem that arises when you're using nuclear energy, which is what we call nuclear waste problem or nuclear waste manipulation or nuclear waste transmutation or whatever has to do with nuclear waste. Yeah. So the idea is now uh, the nuclear factories or nuclear power plants uh, use essentially uh, neutrons or bullets that are very slow. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and these are called in this field thermal neutrons. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what, you, what what what's happening is you have some some nuclei, some balls that when they absorb these very slow neutrons or low energy neutrons, they really like it. Mm -hmm. okay. So once they see a, you know a slow neutron passing by, they grab it, they swallow it, and then they split and they release energy. Okay. These are called fissile uh, nuclei. One example that everybody here uh, heard about it is uh, uranium-235. Okay. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, these, these kind of nuclei are not the vast majority of heavy nuclei. Uh, so the vast majority of, uh, of this kind of nuclei, which are called actinides, now, you know, I'm, I'm progressively adding more and more terms. Yeah, good. <laughs> Maybe it could be useful for people that, you know, want to, to search around. Yeah. So most of, most of actinides, they don't care about slow neutrons. They're indifferent. They, they care about fast neutrons. So once they see a fast neutron, this is where they grab it. This is what they grab. And, and, and why is that important? Because when you have nuclear fission from fissile nuclei, mm -hmm. The product somehow end to be this uh, this vast majority of nuclei, which are called fertile. So we have the fissile, which like to split with thermal neutrons, and we have the fertile, which uh, split only if they grab fast neutrons. Current nuclear power plants use slow neutrons to produce energy. What if we could build a kind of factory? that doesn't have slow neutrons, but has fast neutrons. Okay. Of course, these, these, these fissile nuclei will not split. I mean, they, they will, actually, but in a, in a very small rate, not enough to produce energy. However, if instead of uh, these uh, fissile nuclei, you use the fertile ones, so the ones that like to grab, grab fast, yeah? Yeah? yeah, then what will happen? The nucleus will split, and it will produce a proper amount of energy for the plant to produce a, for the plant to operate actually and yeah, produce okay. energy that you can use at your home to you know google search for example yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is let's say that the basic idea of, uh, of current research in fission but unfortunately to do that uh, commercially you need to know the way these uh, nuclei disintegrate So, currently, nuclear plants use uranium and the fission is induced by these slow neutrons. However, uranium sources are depleting fast, with the recent studies saying that they will last until 2050, which means that the plant will need different fuels. Additionally, the nuclear waste produced by the power plants can be split only with fast neutrons. So, instead of producing waste, we can recycle them and use them as fuels in different plants, which of course will create different waste, but there's a big difference. Why nuclear waste is a problem? Because um, this kind of nuclei, when they're produced, they, they decay, as we say, so they change their form. Okay, and this change occurs with the emission of a form of radiation which 
essentially since you have a huge amount could be let's say potentially dangerous for 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 living species and stuff that's yes. why you keep it away you bury it underground you try you know to to isolate it so this uh, the decay time could be from a few hundred to a few thousand years let's say which means that in a lifespan of uh, a human being yeah, yeah. So, so so you get the idea i mean there have to come a lot of generation afterwards until this uh, this nuclear waste cools down. So if you take this nuclear waste and you put it in the in the fast reactors, then of course you 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 still produce nuclear waste, but with appreciably quite smaller decay times. Could be a few years, could be a few tens of years, but already this is a huge step forward. So th- these are your gains by switching to this new technology, let's say. So while there's obviously a danger in the faction of nuclear plants, the solution is not to outright demonize everything and shut down all the power plants, but the solution is to further study and research this in order to find different ways to mitigate the dangers. In my PhD, I studied uh, one of these uh, nuclei okay. that belongs to the family of plutonium and more, uh, more specifically plutonium-240. So 240 is actually the the sum of neutrons and protons uh, in this nuclei. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this uh, this kind of nuclei is produced in in let's say in high quantities. So per year, each reactor uh, produces about uh, 50 kilos, if I remember correctly, plutonium. So imagine that you are operating power plants. The last you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And you have quite a lot of waste. The planet. Yeah. So, so exactly, you have a, 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 nice, a, nice, a nice amount of, of material. Yes. Which, if you use it to, to these new reactors, which they, they do not operate at the moment, so they're in okay. a stage of you know, R&D, let's say, uh, you, can, you can expect to have... Uh, uh, like uh, an energy production that would be sufficient to 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 the humankind needs for. I mean, I haven't done the study how many years it will last, but yeah, you get you get the feeling like you get yeah the point yeah. Uh, so this is why I studied plutonium two forty. So of course there are many other isotopes that uh, nuclear act that can be studied that, and they're actually being studied. Studies on radioactive materials like plutonium take several months to complete. And the nature of the material is the reason why this happens. Thanos briefly explained the experimental setup, where basically you have a beam of these neutrons and a range of energies. They hit the foil sample of the radioactive material you're studying. And behind that, there is a detector that is sensitive to the energy and is able to detect fragments of the fission. However, as we said, not all neutrons cause fission, and in order to understand a system, we need a lot of fission fragments. And the material, as a radioactive material, releases particles with some energy that are called alpha particles. Those alpha particles are slowly damaging the detector. And up until before the new experimental area at CERN, a study like this could take a long, long time. This reaction was studied in the past in Atentov here at CERN in the facility that we call ER1, which stands from Experimental AO1. Uh, 
And there the, the neutron flux, so the amount of neutron that, you know, impinges on the material is such that you need, if I remember correctly, this uh, measurement was performed in seven months' time. So it's, 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 it's a long time. Okay. And, and during these months, the alpha particles go to the detector and they destroy it. So, you, so essentially, it turned out that you cannot complete the measurement because your, your instrument, your device... Uh, got damaged. Yes. To overcome that, uh, a new area, a new facility was built, which mm-hmm. is called the Experimental Area Two. <laughs> okay, the names are not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we didn't put effort in the names, but we put effort, you know, in in, in the, in the study. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what happened there? The neutron flux is much bigger, ten to forty times, depends on on how you use it. So this means that you can perform the measurement. In 10 times less time. Therefore, you can detect the same amount of fission fragments that are required to be able to say that I understand how the process is working. In this period, the detector uh, accepts 10 times less alpha particles, which means that it's uh, uh, the, the probability of having a damage is 10 times smaller. So, in my case, this was a study that was the first. Uh, performed in this new experimental facility. So the challenge, the challenges there are quite numerous. So you have to understand how this new facility works, what are the the limitations, what are the advantages. So it takes like a, a quite smooth, I would say, learning curve to understand and realize the benefits and all the the issues, which were a lot actually. But okay. Of course, fortunately, you you start to understand. You start to even uh, propose new, uh, like even measurement methodologies to to further, you know, progress in your understanding of these uh, procedures. In order to identify the probability in which neutrons with a specific energy can cause fission, so that in any potential applications in the future we know what to use, physicists use a tool called time of flight. As I said, the, the, the facility that I work on is called ENTO, Neutron Time of Flight. And it's called Time of Flight, yeah, okay. The effort that we put in the names is not important. Yeah, okay, it's meaningful. But, yeah. but it's okay, because it, it, it's simple to understand. What are you measuring? Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is what we This is what we say in order you know, to excuse ourselves and yes. justify the, the simple names. Uh, so, in physics, you can directly correlate the time that a particle needs to travel a certain distance into its energy. Fine. So, this is what you do. You take the time that your signal arrived at after all this manipulation. Okay. And you can say, okay, this signal is a, corresponds to a fission fragment, energy deposition, let's say. That was induced from a neutron that had an energy which is directly correlated to this time of flight. So you do the, the formula. Guys can like easily yeah. search that. It's, it's, it's a simple, like we, we learned in high school. Uh, it's not even a relativistic one. It's really simple in a way. And then you know, okay, that uh, the neutron that had this energy or this velocity, if you like, so slow, fast, you know, all these things, you yeah, know, in terms of they, they will start to build up eventually and yeah. come together. Caused this amount of fission fragments. 
this amount of fissions. So, and in the end, after all this manipulation and signal and stuff, you have a distribution that you say, okay, the neutrons that had this velocity or this energy caused this amount of fission, fissions or fission fragments. So, we've been talking about this neutron flux, and I was kind of curious to find out how hard it is to create this neutron flux. It was fun to see how excited Thanos was to explain this. Uh, from, from CERN, we have the proton synchrotron, which is an, a proton accelerator. So it's a device that takes uh, hydrogen, which hydrogen nuclei are just protons. Yeah. Okay. And just, you know, circles around, circles it around uh, a, a tube, a circular tube. Okay, fine. So these guys are turning until they reach an energy, which is of the order of 20 GeV. Then this, this proton beam is extracted mm-hmm. towards a lead block, and they have such a high energy, the protons, that they go in the lead and they destroy it. Okay. They, they, they do what we call in, in, in physics spallation. And spallation is actually a process that the, the particle that comes in splits the atom, not, not the nucleus, the atom. So it's just, you get electrons. Uh, uh, protons, neutrons, some muons, pions, any kind of particle you can imagine that could be inside. Yeah. One of these uh, particles that are produced are the neutrons. So you can use a magnet to diverge all such particles, and then what you're left with is just the neutrons, which are actually generated in a four-pi geometry, so all around your the room that the, this lead target is placed. So... Yeah, with this wave, since the protons have a 20 GeV energy, as they go in the lead target, they slow down gradually. Mm-hmm. So the 20 GeV becomes 19.5. The 19.5 becomes 15. The 15 becomes 1. The 1 becomes 0.1 uh, until they have a zero energy. So in principle, you have uh, a slowdown process. Therefore, the incident energy is decreased as the beam yeah. goes in. And therefore, the, 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 the particles that are going to be produced will have, will have less energy. And oh. this, exactly, and this, you know, results in a, in a broad spectrum from essentially 20 GeV up to zero. So in, in, in your, neutron, your neutron beam actually consists not only of one energy, but of a huge spectrum. That's why you need the time of flight technique to identify what was the energy of the neutron that caused the fission. And this is where now I hope everything like, you know, comes together. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it really does, at least in my head. I hope in yours too. In our discussion with Thanos, we also discussed all the other applications that his research has both in the real world and in the labs in order to study fission, since it's a phenomenon that isn't 100% understood yet. The discussion that we had made me understand only a portion of the difficulties that the study like this has, but I hope it gives you enough of an understanding of nuclear power, the studies that are currently happening, and how and why facilities like CERN are important. And that's it for the second edition of Lefteris Ask Science. I would like to thank Dr. Thanos Namatopoulos for his time, and I hope to see you again soon. Until next time, take care and be kind.